Welcome to Oh This World. This is a podcast for people inclined to take action in the age of coronavirus. As Americans and as Texans, we wonder about the choices we are personally making in this new world disorder. And because our state and federal governments have failed to provide the leadership necessary to help all of us make informed decisions, it sometimes seems like we're all on our own. But at a time when it's easy to feel helpless, we're focused on action. I'm Antoinette Perez. And I'm Lucas Schaefer. We're friends, engaged citizens, and progressive activists in Austin, Texas. Our mission is to help Texans and people across the country hold our leaders accountable and build an America that leaves no one behind. So grab a drink, wash your hands, and join us for Oh This World. All right. Welcome to Oh This World. Hello, Antoinette. How are you? I'm doing great. Hello, Lucas. How are you doing today? I'm, uh, I would say my general coronavirus mood is moderate tizzy. I'm not in a full, I'm not like in a tizzy, but there's just a low grade tizzy burbling in, in the, in the gut. Wow. What does, <laughs> does your, do you feel that low grade tizzy like all the time or is it like especially burbling today? Oh no, I, I think I feel it all the time. I mean, I feel it all the time. Mm. Since 2016, all the time, and since quarantine, uh, you know, we've gone from I'd say low level to to mild, medium tizzy, <laughs> medium with, tizzy with bursts of full blown yeah. fury. But yeah. I, I'm big into quantifying, so I guess I'm hearing you say since 2016, you're maybe at like a three. And since coronavirus, maybe like four and a half to six on average. No, I think I was born at a three. Since 2016, <laughs> okay. I've been at a six. I'm currently at a seven or eight and have the ability to go to about a 13. 13. That's if, impressive. If that if, is, that's overachievement pressed. in the tizzy category, for sure. There's, there's, there's some fury in these in these bands <laughs> there's there's some fury and i think there's also some trying to figure out how to be our best selves how to be our best community members in this and we've talked in previous episodes about certain things that don't seem like they're really related and yet they are related we've talked about like groceries we've talked about cloth face coverings and each of yes. those got their own episodes because we're trying to figure out how to be our best members of our families and our communities in all of these areas that need like extra interpretation and clarification and information, right? Yes, yes. I think it's because in part, like our our political leaders, um, certainly the president and the Republican Party, have spent so many years undermining experts and making it seem as if anyone who has even the vaguest clue as to what they're talking about should not be trusted. And so now we have no we have no one because we have undermined the people who actually know what they're talking about or fired them um as was the case with you know a number of uh medical people in the last few weeks and uh, so here point. we are. That's a great point. Um there have been seeds of distrust sown and even in areas that seem as pedestrian as how you buy your groceries from whom and whether or not you wear a face covering in public, what we're going to talk about today is 
again, one of those very important topics that's actually much bigger and far-reaching in some ways, which is when do we know it's okay to reopen society? When do we know that it's okay to come back out from sheltering in place? And um, these are these are big issues. Um, interestingly, I have recently, like many of us, been chatting with friends, folks that um, I'd been in touch with, you know, not too long before COVID, but it was time to circle back a couple months later and mm-hmm. reconnect with these people. And now we're reconnecting in a very different way, in a very different world. Um, and this person shared with me that she's having a hard time right now believing any media. That was kind of how she um, hmm. she phrased it. I, I feel like I'm having problems um, just understanding whether any media is worth listening to. And so I've, I've just, I don't listen to the news anymore. I don't watch or read the news anymore. That is such a success for the Republican Party. I mean, th- that is what they have been aiming for for, for so long mm. is, you know, any any rational point must be met with um, an, an irrational point. And they know that the media interested in appearing neutral will say some people say this some people say that some people say the sky is blue some people say the sky is green let's not let's not look up and actually tell you what color the sky is let's just yeah throw throw those things out there and so people like your friend are then justifiably unsure who to trust it is such a great point um, that it is a success. It is something that certain folks have been working for for a long time, a cultural shift where the media is distrusted. But it got me thinking about a couple of things. I am definitely empathetic to the idea that especially right now, there's so much information out there that mm-hmm. if you don't trust the media, you're having to do your own hard work in many ways because COVID is new. Um, we find out more information every day. If you don't make it kind of like your full-time job to keep doing all of this research and to learn and to understand how to put it in the right context, uh, you if you don't trust media, that's your only option if you want to stay informed. And for an everyday person that maybe is still raising a family, uh, working at a full-time job, these are simply things that, that don't feel within reach for them at all. And maybe it's easier for them to just shut it all down and wait for things to die down and go away on their own. I mean, is this friend of yours, if they hear a doctor giving information, if they hear an expert in a field, an epidemiologist, are they equally distrustful? Oh, that's a good question. I I would like to think that if they were speaking with a medical professional or a doctor that they knew they would probably Mm. feel more trustful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a problem. And of course we have leaders who are, who will just flat out lie. Yeah, Uh, it's, it's true. It's true. And so when it comes right down to it, if you don't know that you can trust the media, if you know that it's going to take a lot of work for you to try to sort through all of the information that's changing every single day, well, then who do you trust if you aren't an infectious disease expert when you have to make decisions on things like groceries or cloth face coverings or when you can venture back out into society? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Fantastic. And it's a lot. 
it's a lot. And there's not a really great one person on YouTube to just be like, here is the answer. Which was the case with cloth face masks. That's right. It would be so great if there were and there isn't. So we'll talk about what to do. Very good. All right. So, Lucas, I did a lot of research on this. I almost thought I did. I thought of my one of my heroes in media. Not that I have a lot of heroes. I just have one. And her name is Rachel Maddow. And I asked myself, (laughs) what would Rachel do? If she were sitting here trying to crank through this information and put together a podcast that not only was succinct and interesting, but also helpful and thorough. Mm-hmm. And I thought she, she, would, she would yell for one of her research assistants. Yes, I know you did a lot because I was getting links to things with abstracts, with works cited <laughs> pages. Yeah, yeah, doing. there is a lot. I think we're lucky in the United States to have this Dr. Fauci. Um, who is from the the, uh, Center for National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. He's a specialist there, and he's been showing up every day as part of the White House task force to update us. And he does a lot of other interviews as well, which is helpful. So um, he was the the first expert that I looked to. I mean, I like the information he gives generally. I feel Mm -hmm. like with all of these doctors who appear with Trump, the problem is... You have to supplicate a little bit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I think they think they're going to get fired. Right. And it's just, it's not really a criticism of Fauci, who seems mm-hmm. to be, I mean, first of all, he's 79. Mm. He runs three and a half miles a day. He wow. has to stand at these ridiculous press conferences for two right. hours. And presumably, right. he's also trying to, you know, save the world. So um, hard to hard to criticize that. But I do just want him to turn around at one of these things and just, say, what is wrong with you? Just go away and let me tell the people what they need to know. If there is one thing in pandemic world that I have learned, it's that anything is possible and that you should hold on to that hope. I believe that. Well, we need our, I feel like I keep waiting for our have have you no decency moment, our you know network, I'm not going to take it anymore moment. And I think the thing that we've learned is that moment has to come from us. Because it's not coming from anyone Love it. in power and not coming anyone from anyone on any stage with the president of the United States. It might still, and until then, we have work to do, don't we? Yes. Yes. So Dr. Yes. Fauci was my first person that I looked to, um, read a couple of recent articles, and saw some interviews with him. The second source that I went to was, of course, the World Health Organization, which is a UN agency that is charged with international public health. And um, yeah, so the third source that I looked to was an academic source, a bunch of scientists at Harvard who recently published um, a a model, a a scholarly paper about a model that they developed trying to Mm -hmm. understand what post-pandemic USA would really look like. So those were the three sources that I went to. And I read a lot. And wow, I took a lot of notes. In fact, I probably took way more notes than we're actually going to be able to even talk about today. Um, But what I found is that um, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has 
been fairly clear about the criteria that they're looking for in general terms upon which they would suggest that countries start to look at being able to reopen. So let me read to you the six general conditions they're talking about that they would suggest. This is from the WHO Director General, just to lift a lockdown. Number one, they want disease transmission under control. Number two, they believe that a country's health systems must be able to detect, test, isolate, and treat every case and trace every contact. Number three, hotspots minimized in vulnerable, vulnerable places such as uh, retirement homes and communities. Um, they want schools and workplaces to establish preventive measures. Number five, they're looking for um, an opportunity for countries to uh, manage what happens if they continue to import new cases into the country. Right. And number six, uh, they want communities fully educated, engaged, and empowered to live under this new normal. So, those so we're, are, out, we're out for six. <laughs> thank you. Even though there are no numbers associated with this, even in general terms, we're like, oh, for six, right? When, when you have folks in your society that don't even want to read the news because they don't feel like they can trust the media, there's how do we get to a community that's fully educated, engaged, and empowered? How do we get Could there? Could I just throw one thing in about that 0 for 6 mm -hmm. that I do think we can take heart in mm -hmm. is the number of people in this insane country of ours who are actually doing the right thing, mm. yes. who are doing some educating of themselves yes. and are staying inside and yes. are sacrificing income and sacrificing um you know their their livelihoods in many mm -hmm. cases mm -hmm. to do the right thing and you know mm -hmm. yesterday we talked about those protests mm -hmm. and our fear that even though these were not really grassroots protests mm -hmm. they would swell mm -hmm. right um saw a poll out today you know how many you know what percentage of people think the president should continue to encourage this protest 7% Seven wow. So, wow. To me, no no real help from the top. And you know, 93% of people get it. So good for us. That that does make me feel better. Thank you for letting me know. Um, yeah, I love that. So in addition to these six conditions that the WHO believes any country needs to be experiencing in order to even think about lifting the lockdown, they correlate that to six steps that the countries should take. And they include things that we've already talked about here. We've talked about it extensively in other conversations that have to do with making sure there is a public health force that is able to do the testing, the identification of the disease, the isolation, um, you know, the contact tracing, all of those things, which, again, we're sort of over six, right? Um, yes. But there are, there are some very action oriented steps that the WHO recommends that we take. So we go from this big international view of managing COVID, and we bring that down to the U.S. as a country. So just because I felt like I should, um, I went to the White House guidelines for reopening the country. Now, presumably, this is led in no small part by Dr. Fauci, who, by the way, in a separate interview, he, he really talked about, in very practical terms, what he called a rolling reentry program. And it echoes who, right? He says, identification, isolation, contact tracing, these things may look different in different areas depending on their numbers, but every area needs to be aggressively pursuing systems and processes where these these things are happening so it's he's on board he's on board 
Isn't it sad that when you say White House guidelines, mm -hmm. I have the exact pit in my stomach that your friend has when talking about the media? And I, I just you. think, how do we know? Because, the you know. Well, okay, let, let me tell you this. When I looked at the WHO, you know, um, six conditions to lift lockdown, six action steps that countries can take. And then I looked at the White House guidelines. Yes. It was my perception that the White House guidelines followed this fairly well. The White House guidelines seemed to echo and align with the WHO's recommendations in a very general sense. The challenge is even the White House guidelines are so general that everything is left up to interpretation. So when the White House says, hey, governors, in your particular state, here are the rough guidelines we want you to follow. Make sure that whatever the plan is for reopening your state follows these. It's not really difficult to find a way to interpret the guidelines to say, well, yes, we've, we've kind of pretty much met this requirement in a really basic way for like five minutes. So I think we're ready to reopen. And that's been the largest criticism, in fact, of those White House guidelines. It's not that they are renegade or that they're not based on fact. It's that there's, there's no metrics involved. And they, I mean... They basically want to leave these decisions up to the states, yes. which, uh, you know, I, I've i seen a number of people say this on Twitter. I'm I'm not sure who initially said it, but um, had had commented that we're, we're, we have an Articles of Confederation response to this crisis as mm -hmm. opposed to like a U.S. Constitution response mm -hmm. to this crisis. Right. I, it, it doesn't make that much sense to me because viruses don't care about county lines about mm -mm. when you're in Alabama versus when you're in Mississippi i mean it 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 doesn't make that much sense because if if you know if one state reopens and another state doesn't can people from that state travel to the state that's reopened and it, in which case what does it right. matter what does it matter I'll share something with you from my research into this that may lift your spirits a little bit. And mm -hmm. that is, I think Dr. Fauci agrees with you, Lucas. I think that he understands that stronger federal coordination, stronger federal mandate and coordination between the federal government and state governments would do so much to help us. Right. proceed forward. He right. sees it. Um, in fact, I, I've seen a couple of interviews with him. Um, where I am amazed at his ability to convey, and I think he sincerely feels empathy for everybody. He is empathetic to the plight of the state governor who's feeling pressure from some of their constituents possibly and also feeling pressure to get the economy going again and also wanting to save the lives of as many people as possible with no understanding of how they are going to be able to access the tests that they need to be able to start this process in a meaningful way. Um, I, I, he, I he also, by the way, he like um, he understands where you and I are coming from in this too. He gets it all, and I love that about him. I and I completely agree, and I don't mean to be overly negative because really our purpose here is to explore ways to actually take action and yes. make change. Yeah. It's just I do think it's 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 okay to point out in that context mm -hmm. that it's just so pathetic that we are thrilled to have this man who's just being a warm-blooded normal human <laughs> being. Yes. Who wants to I mean 
the idea that there are leaders whose first priority is not to save lives in the United States of America, it's just, it's pathetic. It's, I'm not saying it's surprising, but it is pathetic. And I do think, I, I'm increasingly feeling in my coping with my tizzy, if you will, yes. coping with my tizzy, that, that could, <laughs> sounds like it could be a... Taken out of context. <laughs> Or like a 90s era like dance song, but um <laughs> I increasingly feel like it's it is an important part of the process mm-hmm. of taking action and being proactive yes. to just acknowledge how pathetic this stupid, avoidable, preventable, unnecessary situation is. And I am getting off my soapbox and we are getting back to facts. Thank you. Well, we're almost to the point that I think you're going to want to take this away. So let's get to that. (laughs) We've talked about the global view with who we've talked about Dr. Fauci White House guidelines on a national level. Let's talk about the state. So we've got a governor, um, Governor Abbott. Yes. Here in Texas, and he has announced a governor's strike force to open Texas, which is his yes. task force um, that is comprised of 41 people. And as far as I can tell, a very small handful of them are science and medical professionals. The majority of them appear to be business people and donors to Governor Abbott's campaigns. Um they have released nothing so far, nothing. So just some very general comments that, that the governor has made out in the media, but we don't have a plan at all. We don't have plans. We don't have metrics. We don't know how we're going to open Texas again. We just know he wants to, and he's assembled these 41 primarily business leaders and donors to his campaign to help us do that. Um, coming down, like rolling down to the city level where you and I live, Lucas, which is in Austin, There is a COVID-19 task force. And as of right now, we're just hours from that task force having been on the news, a press conference to announce that they were even forming. Um, My understanding is that like the mayor, so representation from the city, we also have Chamber of Commerce leaders involved in that, as well as um, Mm. Travis County Judge Sarah Eckhart. So all of these things are finally kind of getting together. And what that tells us is that, as you said earlier, there is room for us as everyday citizens, as Texans, as Americans to influence what happens next. Yes. So the question is, what do we do? The question is, what do we do? So, Antoinette, you and I, before every episode, sit down and figure out these calls to action. And usually they are very straightforward, right? Yes. We know exactly who you call, which represented, you know, is it the House? Is it the Senate? Is it the governor? Is it, you know, this one we really struggled with because it's so unclear who needs to do what. Um, so we're going to give a pretty straightforward call to action. Um, and then we can talk about it a little. But the call to action is to call your Congress people. And by that, we mean both your uh, member of the House and your senators and demand increased funding for testing so that we can reopen the country. And I think what we've kind of gets lost in all of the noise that's happening right now, right, is that all of these things that the Republicans keep talking about, blame China, Nancy Pelosi has Talenti gelato in her refrigerator, let's have protests to close down the, you know, against the closing of the country. All of this is just a distraction from the fact 
that we do not have the testing necessary to open the country. And I, you know, I think the key point is we don't have the testing and we could have had the testing. There was warning. There, there were ways to be more prepared for yes. this. And yes. all of our representatives need to be fighting for that funding for the testing and getting the testing out to the people. And if you are someone like Antoinette, who is so brilliant at parsing um, these these reports and can really home in on the metrics that we need, call your call your Congress people and do that. And if you are someone like me who is um, I don't want to say I'm not capable of doing that, but uh, is just like uh, almost paralyzed with rage thinking about this. I would just encourage you to focus on those four words. Where are the tests? Because that is the problem that we're in right now. And that is why the economy is shut down. There aren't enough tests. I can tell you that in all of the reading that I've done, um, it is universally agreed upon that expanded testing is a concrete step that would help us be able to reopen, that would help us to plan and to have more information so that we can make better decisions about how we reopen and when we reopen. Nobody disagrees with this. Nobody does. Where are the tests? That's the the question. That's the the question. And And I wish every time on social media or in the news or wherever these Republican congressmen are putting out their statements about how, oh, the the economy's in such disarray. I can't believe we're still shut down. Yes, right. Where are the tests? That's That's the question. I'm digging that. I'm thinking that one of those old campaign signs that we took down from whatever the last election was needs to go out there with a new sign on the front that says, where are the tests? Call Cruz, Cornyn, Roy. You know what? Put, hey, that is brilliant. You have an old yard sign. You have a cardboard box. Put that in your yard. Get into, that is a, that's a fight I'd like to get into with a, a bunch of HOAs, huh? Oh, I can't put this sign in my window. Hmm. I think this is going to be a, a, a real coping with your tizzy action. Make it, making signs and just running through Austin, putting them maybe in my yards, maybe in maybe in strangers' yards. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Stick don't to your that. own yard. Stick you, to your own yard. You got a yard. Yep. I don't have a yard, but I, I do have a window. All right. Well, Lucas, this has been great. I feel like this has been very cathartic for me. Oh my God. I this was like almost as good as the gym. <laughs> That's awesome. Coming Fantastic. from a gym fiend like you, that means a lot. Um, I'm excited because on our next podcast, we're gonna do something a little bit fun, I think. Oh my god, it's gonna be a whole new it's gonna be a whole new us. I don't oh, know if yes. we're even gonna be Antoinette and I are both kind of moving our shoulders in a very it, we're loosening ourselves loosening. because loosening I think we're going why. to kind of explore on on our Friday recording um, some of the ways that we are we are coping like yes. emotionally through this. How are we um, coping with our tizzy? Other than you know, 
creating an entire podcast that we have to record every day lest we spontaneously combust. But yes, um, Antoinette, thank you so much for doing all of that research. And and we will, uh, both in our uh, production notes for today and on Twitter, put the links to all of that great research. I, I know... I am so distracted in these these times that sometimes sitting down with something like a study from Harvard University doesn't feel in the cards, but I really feel like I, I understand the gist of what um, is being said because of that research. So thank you. This is so excellent. All right. Well, we will catch you next time. Stay tuned. All right. Bye. Bye.